Today on Travel Rolly Podcast, we have Mr. Chris Fear. Chris uh, went on the recent trip to Scotland with us in July, and he's been going um, for about four years now. This is his fourth trip to, to Scotland. He's been to Ireland as well. Um, so he's um, recently become a fan of Lynx Golf, and it's now his favorite. Uh, he's also a member at the same golf club than that Jeff is as well, Murray Golf Club, and we'll talk about all that. Um, please enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to another series of podcasts. This one is Travel Royally, and we're thrilled to have Chris Fear. And Chris is a friend of mine I've known for about 10 years. We belong to the same golf club uh, on the south side of Atlanta. We're also members of the same golf course, the golf club in the Scottish Highlands. It's called Murray Golf Club. Chris is a competitive golfer. He plays off of five but he's a plus three when it comes to uh, sticky toffee pudding. He's, he's an expert on that topic. We'll talk about that. Um, Chris has been with us on a handful of trips. He's been uh, four trips to Scotland, one to Ireland. And Chris, welcome to the Travel Royally podcast. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Chris, I'm, I'm not going to give you uh, any more strokes um, in in Scotland. <laughs> That's BS. Well, first thing you need to learn is don't hit driver on every hole. <laughs> you took advantage of me. <laughs> well, what You're these guys are talking about, everyone, is that we, in July, there were um, six of us, five of us in Scotland, plus a friend of ours joined up. And um, we played a lot of golf um, in July in Scotland and had a wonderful time. We'll talk about some of those experiences it was Hayden's first trip, and um, uh, I learned. He, was, he was quick to learn how to uh, what to hit in the wind. So, yeah. Anyway, well, let's dive in, Chris. Tell us where you're from originally, because some people I don't think Hayden realizes where you're from. Yeah, originally, I'm not from Atlanta. Originally, I'm originally from Southern Illinois, so probably closer to Kentucky than it is to Chicago. So it's kind of in the farmland of you know parts of of Illinois, small town of about three thousand people. So not a lot of opportunities growing up when it came to the, you know, to the pastime of golf. Um, I grew up playing on a, uh, just really a small community golf club, you know, nine holes, super small greens. I guess in today's terms, it's, you know, it's, it's super short, you know, an average par three or par f uh, four was maybe, you know, 350 yards at most. Um, you know, I grew up with my, grandfather being my um, kind of inspiration to play golf that was kind of our pastime together um, so you know that was that was our time to to bond and you know do that kind of stuff so you know he was a golf enthusiast he got me involved in being a golf enthusiast you know I've been playing golf since I was probably 10 years old all the way you know competitively starting in high school um, you know, one of the best things that probably ever happened to me was moving to the South where you can play golf all year round. You know, it's a tremendous improvement to your, to your game when you don't have that, you know, three, four month, uh, you know, off season where you're not playing. Um, you know, so when I moved to Georgia, obviously technology has also improved my game as well, but just that continuous playing, having a good group of people that you can play with all the time. Uh, that keeps you engaged in it, you know, that's, that's really, you know, elevated my, my experience and my, uh, you know, my capabilities. But your parents, were your parents not golfers? 
my mom was when she was younger but you know how that goes from you know that generation after you have kids and everything you know you just kind of have less time to do it but my mom was a really good golfer uh, my dad was never really that much into golf uh, he had other interests so it was just more on my mom's side and you know my grandfather on her side so you just did you just start playing with friends or was it your grandfather that kind of pushed you towards yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm originally, yeah, originally, you know, when I was a small kid, you know, 10, 11, 12, I was just playing with my grandfather. But then once you get into, you know, high school years, I mean, my typical summer day, once I got into high school, and maybe a little bit before that was, you know, my mom and my parents, they would, they would just drop me off at the golf course, and I would spend my entire day out there playing or looking for golf balls. I mean, in those days, you never bought a golf ball. Yeah. You know, it was whatever you could find, you know, in the cornfield or, you know, at the edges of the pond or, or wherever, you know, that was just my typical, I guess the golf course was my uh, babysitter during the uh, summertime. Not too bad. Well, you've been to, uh, as we said, you've been to Scotland four times, Ireland once. Um, what attracted you initially to going over there and playing? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it goes back to just being a super golf enthusiast. I mean, of course, everybody, if you rank the majors, probably would say the Masters is the, you know, the top of the four, you know, majors. But, you know, for me, I always kind of place the Open Championship right below the Masters, just because, you know, it's such a unique thing. First of all, you wake up in the morning and then the golf is on, which is kind of a rare thing. Second mm -hmm. of all, you know, least where i grew up you know these were exotic places you know like yeah you know it's summertime it's 95 degrees in illinois and you're sitting there watching on tv golf where they got ski caps on maybe yeah. 30 mile an hour sustained winds you know it was just like they're playing golf on mars or something like that so it was very um you know unique to see it and that kind of sticks with you and you know just being a golf enthusiast is one of those things like you know you, i grew up understanding the history of golf you know, St. Andrews being the home of golf, you know, old Tom Morris and all the stories behind that. I mean, I, I kind of grew up with that, that, that folklore um, kind of in the background. So finally, when you get to a point in your life where you have the, the abilities and the resources to go do it, it's just one of those things that I uh, wanted to take advantage of. Yeah. Well, we're glad that you've gone so many times and I, I know how much you enjoy it over there. Um, do you think it's elevated the, your play? I mean, you talked about playing in the South, but what about having to learn to hit the different shots you have to hit to be able to play right. well in Scotland or Ireland? Yeah, that's what I you know keep telling everybody. I say it's two different forms of golf. I mean, me personally, like when we go over, I was thinking of all the different courses we've played over there. And I would say almost every one of them has been a Lynx golf course, except for maybe one. I think maybe Nairn Dunbar might have been considered more of a – parkland course i'm not really sure but that was probably the closest to a parkland course you know so like in the united states i would equate golf in the u.s as being more of target golf where you know you're aiming for the middle of the fairway then you're aiming either for the front of the green middle of the green back of the green you know type of thing but you know you expect that hey i'm going to hit the green the ball is going to stay on the green in scotland it's not that way i mean it literally the first time we went over there it took me three solid rounds of golf to finally get through my my brain that you can't carry the ball onto the green all the time that you have to basically plan for the run out. Even when your team, you know, your, your, your tee to, to the fairway shots, you have to factor in 
where's the bunkers, how far is my ball going to roll out? It's really just a different experience all the way around. I mean, the fundamental elements are the same, but like I, I was telling Hayden when we were, you know, playing at the Murray Open, it's like, you know, sometimes you got to put the driver away and just accept the fact that, you know, bogey sometimes is a good score. Um, sometimes you're going to be hitting, you know, three, four irons into greens, which you typically wouldn't necessarily do so much on a par four here in the United States, uh, at least at the, you know, T links that, that I play. It's just a different game and you have to you have to approach it different. And then you throw in the elements like the wind. I mean, you could hit anywhere like a seven iron could be for a 120 yard shot or if it's downwind you know, with no bunkers in front of it, it could yeah. be for a 190 yard shot, yeah. you know? So it's just a totally different game. Yeah. I was, before we went on today, I was telling these guys that I put this course up behind me strategically. That's four throws and Rose Markey. And it was first time we played there. And I think we all came away with the feeling of, wow, what a, what a wonderful golf course. And um, it was a windy day and, um, I hit three wood once, and then I hit. Where where did that three wood go? Onto the beach. <laughs> uh, but I still made par on the hole. Yeah. But um, after that, I hit two hybrid <clears throat> the remainder of the round on par fours and par fives, and occasionally downwind. I was hitting eight iron. Yeah. Right. And because it was going out a hundred yards. What's that? Like you hit eight iron and you had like 150 in still. No, I didn't. No, it, I was, it wasn't it. good. It yeah. was fine. On the on the 300, 350, you hit eight iron, it bounced, it'd go 180. Yeah. The hard thing about that day was it was a 20 to 30 mile an hour sustained crosswind. Yeah, once we got to hold, what was it, seven, eight? It started really picking up. Yeah. And the ball was just blowing everywhere side to side. So it was, it was, a, and also that was, I, at least for me, that was my last round of the week after a lot of golf. So, and, and the other thing, you know, Jeff, that you need to, you know, we need to talk about is, you know, the differences between here and there is in the United States, a lot of people, myself included, you know, 90% of the time you're riding in a cart over there, almost all the time you're walking, which is a huge difference. Yeah. You know, you enjoy the round a lot more by walking also you know you don't have the 95 sustained heat days like we do here in atlanta you yeah. know so it's you know the, the 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 heat isn't beating you down so when you're you know playing in you know 55 to 75 degree weather i mean it's just really pleasant to you know walk the courses over there yeah it almost warms you up a little bit right but yeah, right. doing it for a straight week by the end of the week your legs are feeling yeah yeah i think hayden calculated that how many miles did we walk? It was like 40 or 50 miles. In, in eight days. Yeah. Right. Including the open when we walked around the course, you know, two or three times. Yeah. So, so uh, Chris, you also joined Murray. What led you to, to that? Yeah. Well, the first time I went over there, which was probably five years ago, you know, with COVID and everything, like two years kind of got you know, washed out and kind of are a blur. But the first time we went over there, that was kind of like, you know, like a lot of people, what, what, what do you call them? Like, you know, they're, they're obsessed with the bag, bag tag, as opposed to the quality of the course that you're playing. It was more like that because we wanted to play St. Andrew's old course. We wanted to play Castle Stewart. 
you know, we played um, Royal Doorknock. We played Royal Aberdeen. I mean, we played a lot of very high-end golf clubs. Um, but kind of sprinkled into there were kind of the hidden gems. And, you know, Murray is is a prototypical hidden gem off the beaten path type of golf club. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't a certain element of the design of the golf club go back to old Tom Morris? Is Absolutely. my understanding. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so there's a linkage back to the the founding fathers of, of, of golf t- with this golf club. So, you know, at that point in time, you were already a member of Murray. Um, you know, so you took us there because it's up north, uh, very close to Royal Doorknock and in the Aberdeen, you know, it's in the kind of sandwich between Royal Aberdeen and Inverness and that area. Um, you know, so it, geographically, it was in the area that we were at. You, you know, you included it in our itinerary and it's a very high quality golf club. It's got two 18s. Obviously, the old course is older than the new course and the old course is a little bit nicer than the new course but it's still it's a 30 36 hole complex so it's got a lot of golf opportunities um you know when you were we were there originally you were telling us about the murray open which after playing it the first time you know i definitely wanted to come back and participate in the murray open because i love tournament golf um so you know the murray open is kind of like let's just equate it to almost like the Similar format is like the U.S. Amateur, where you have to do two rounds of um, stroke play qualifying, and then the top, what is it, 32 out of each division then qualify for the match play. And I'm a huge fan of match play golf, so, you know, that, like, really gets me going when you can tell me I'm playing in a match play golf tournament. All right, Chris, Chris, I'll I'll let everybody know that (laughs) Chris was the only person to make it to the match play that week. And right. uh, it was really awesome. We got to we got to follow him a little bit and keep up and root for him, rooting for our American right in the, in yeah, the field. Yeah, this time I I made it into the uh, low handicap division, and but I lost in my my first round match last was it last year or the pre COVID year I guess. Um, I actually made it to the quarterfinals and uh, really did well that year so but anyway so so Jeff got us on the first time it was kind of the hidden gym course that we were playing and but once you get to know the people I mean the course is really nice there's some great views because it's right on the coast um you know it's just one of those things that when we came back you know a year or so later I said you know I just inquired I said you know what would it take to you know become a member and you know what I equated to Jeff is a lot of people spend X amount of money to be parts of, you know, community organizations or professional organizations or something like that. I mean, for example, Murray Golf Club, I think our our annual subscription is like under $400. And it's not because I'm looking to get $400 of value. It's I'm willing to pay $400 to be part of that to help the club because I know so many people there now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, to a certain degree, I consider myself part of the fabric of the club at this point. Right. I know you're more, you know, ingrained into it than I am, but it's just something that I want to be a part of. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something interesting, Chris. For a while, I helped um, unofficially. I was the club historian. So when John Thompson was captain, he had me do research and and every newsletter that came out had a story that I wrote about the history of the club. And one of the things I found to be interesting, Chris, you mentioned this idea of the Murray Open being 
like the U.S. Amateur, right? Two two rounds of stroke play, and then those guys get into the match play. In 1894, they held the first U.S. Open, um, and there were 12 players playing in that. The Murray Open that year had 111 players. In. <laughs> right. So there was a period of time where the Murray Open. First of all, the Murray Open's older than the the U.S. Amateur right. and and every other U- tournament in the U.S. And um, and uh, so I, I find that just fascinating that, that we had a bigger tournament than the U.S. Open. Right. I'll tell you right now, hands down, Murray Open is the best value of golf. Hands <laughs> down. You're never going to get a better – I mean, setting the, the the flights and everything to get over there. But once you're over there, for the amount of golf that, that that's afforded to you, for like the amount five, of money that you have to pay, I think, what is it, like 100 pounds or something like that? Five, five rounds, I think. Yeah. Well, plus, plus they don't charge us to play in the uh, – they don't charge you guys am, to play in the Sunday or the pra- a practice round on Sunday right. or, you know, it's You're just pretty much a member for the week. Well, Chris, yeah. I would, I would make one correction to what you said. And it's this, I agree hundred percent. The tournament is, is like the U S amateur blended with a member guest. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and the other thing I'll take exception on, it is a good value until you have to buy meat. And then when we buy meat, it gets pretty pricey. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. And also, well, actually, I was going to say that the alcohol it doesn't cost me anything because I don't drink. But <laughs> even the alcohol over there isn't even expensive. Well, those so. sprites were starting to add up. Unfortunately for Hayden, maybe the medical bills after the alcohol might get expensive. <laughs> okay. Okay. We don't have to go that direction. <laughs> well, Chris, you play. Well, I want to, while we're on that trip, while we're on that area of the world, um, we, I took you guys to play two new courses. We played Cullen and we played Portros and Rose Markey. What are your thoughts on those two tracks? Right. I mean, Cullen, other than, uh, there, there's a, there's a soup over there called Cullen Skank. I guess that's the only, my, my only experience with, with the word Cullen, but I guess it's from Cullen Bay in that area. But, you what know, one of the, one of the words that you're always going to hear about Scottish golf courses is the word quirky. It's like, oh, it's quirky. This, of course, it's quirky. I would argue every every course over there is quirky in one way or the of, yeah. of another. You know, for example, Murray Golf Club. It's quirky from the standpoint of you got fighter jets flying over the top of your, you know, your round of golf all the time, which to me yeah. is, it annoys the heck out of people over there. But to me, when I go over there, I'm like, it's it, awesome. It, it, entirely consumed with it because how often do you have a fighter jet flying 50 feet above your head landing or taking off and we you had know, a, like we had an air we show. had an air show <laughs> yeah we had an air show the last time i was sitting yeah. on like the number next to the number three green i just sat down before my round and, and watched a hour-long air show that was going on at the royal air force base next door so i mean every course is quirky and i would say cullen bay is the quirkiest of the quirky because you know it was a very I don't know. I guess what would you equate it to, like uh, executive type type golf course here in the United States, um, where it was like lots of par threes, some par fours, but you know, like most of the golf courses over there, they just fit the golf course into the terrain that nature provides. Yeah. And nature provides a lot of obstacles there that you have to hit around these big rock formations, over the top of rock formations, big you know high elevation changes. You're hitting you know, 
30 yards up to a pin or you're hitting, you know, a 210 yard par three that's, you know, 100 feet downhill. I mean, it was very quirky, but I think all of us probably enjoyed the heck out of that course because it was just a lot of fun. Well, I think the other thing, they weren't open when we got there. So I think it was you, Chris, that made the suggestion of let's drop down to seven clubs or whatever. Right. Exactly. Because we have to carry our bags. I'll tell you what, what I tell people about Colin, I don't remember the last time I had that much fun playing golf. It was just flat out fun. Right. Yeah. Like I left my driver in in the car. So I think the, the, the longest club I had in my bag was my three hybrid, I think. You know, so I played the whole round, you know, the max I can hit my hybrid is like, you know, 200 yards. So that was that was my peak distance for the day, you know, so but I had a ton of fun on it. And then the the Fort Rose course, you know, what was the origins of that? Wasn't when we were playing at um, Castle Stewart, one of the previous trips, one of our caddies, we asked him where he was a member at. And he kind of pointed across the the whatever that is, the Firth of Murray or whatever body of water that was. And he pointed out to that little peninsula over there, and he says, yeah. "That's my. That's where I'm a member at. It's basically a go- 18 holes that are all fit out on a little peninsula." Yeah, yeah, 13th oldest club in the in the world. 1796. Remember that sign on 18? Yeah, yeah. right. Um, that's a yes. uh, and you know the other thing, Mike Mike McDonald, the general manager there, you know, greeted us, made sure we oh, had a good yeah. time, had him on the yeah. podcast. He, the hospitality over there is just unbelievable. I've never, I've never had a bad experience with an individual at all over there, period. Yeah. You know, all the people, whether it's at the, you know, the hotel, the bed breakfast, the restaurant, you know, wherever. I mean, they're just, they're just nice, decent people. You know, it's not like, you know, you never catch somebody with an attitude or anything yeah. like that. Well, you know, it, when you were talking, Chris, it just reminded me, you know, when you're talking about how nice people are, how about Jim and Lil Young? Yeah. We ever meet two nicer people on the planet. I mean, uh-huh. she hugs us like we're her son. Right. You know, I mean, she's just amazing. I mean, even, yeah. you know, even the owner of our Airbnb that we had. Yeah. yeah. Graham, Graham and whatever the name of his band was, Graham and the Young Guns or something like that. But, uh, you know, super nice, you know, catered to every one of our needs. I think, you know, he was bringing us breakfast on, you know, days that we were having to leave out early in the morning. I mean, he's just they just go above and beyond, you know, because they value having, you know, golf tourism, you know, people coming over to support their economy. He even left us some uh, some tea to drink as well. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll explain that joke. the Airbnb had, uh, what would you say, for decoration, he filled whiskey bottles with tea so that I guess he drank the whiskey <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I'm going to put them up here. I'll put tea in it because it looks like whiskey. Well, all the all the tops were already screwed off. So we naturally thought, oh, look, he bought us whiskey. He opened it because he wants us to drink it. Uh, Dale and I put some in some ice and glass and we're like, <laughs> Man, I think this is old. I, this doesn't taste right. <laughs> so we tried another bottle and we're like, wow, this tastes the exact same. And it wasn't until we asked them until we realized it was actually tea. That's so funny. <laughs> and we poured in a whiskey glass. Well, Chris, you know, you mentioned you never met. You've never run into someone that you didn't like. 
Have you run into a sticky toffee pudding yet that was inedible? Over there? <laughs> Not inedible, but you know, no, no two sticky toffee puddings are the same. Um, some are better than others. Um, you know, if you got connections, you might get more sticky and less toffee, or you may get more toffee and less sticky. You know, it's just. You know, and then if you're really lucky, maybe they have the combo sticky toffee pudding with ice cream, which is, you know, like the grand slam. Um, and then mac and cheese you know, for, desserts. for your entree. Right. Yeah, mac so. and cheese. That was great. Chris, can you, you know, you've been several times, well, multiple times, five times. Um, is there something about this most recent trip that you came away, something that surprised you or... Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there's one thing that stands out, and, and that's the accommodations that we had this time. You know, in the past, I mean, everybody in our group, you know, wants to stay in their own room so that you're not sharing, you know, accommodations with other guys and stuff like that. Um, you know, definitely because one of our guys snores like a freight train, so nobody wants to stay in a room with him. So, um, you know, so before we always stayed like in bed and breakfast and things like that, which has always been nice. Um, but this time we we took the Airbnb route and got I, I think it was Airbnb anyways, but it was got it was. a super nice house. I mean, it was probably the most luxurious accommodations that we ever could have hoped for. And not only was the accommodations great, it was like a hundred yards walking distance from the third tee box of, yeah. of from the club. So it was perfectly located. You know, we could walk back and forth from the club if we wanted to, right. um, because, you know, we had people kind of coming and going, especially during the tournament when you had different tea times and different things going on where not everybody could go at the same time. Um, so it was well, well positioned. Um, the house was great. You know, another thing was, you know, we had a tour of the windswept brewery, which I would say your average person might drink a beer that's windswept, but they wouldn't even know that that's a locally uh, right. brewed, you know, and, beer. And I, what did we have? We had a uh, probably two hour long, um, you know, beer tasting experience with with the owners of the uh, of the brewery. So we got to see the tour of it. Um, that reminds uh, me, Chris. There, um, I you know, the, our shipment got lost. Oh, okay. Right. So sure we didn't have a tracking number because I went with the low cost shipping. Right. So. Um, they gave me a deal on everything. I had to pay again, but they're paying the shipping and it's, it went out today. So it should be here okay. in five to seven days. You, you, know, you know, so those are the kind of things, you know, we've always discussed, you know, what's the value in going with, you know, a company like yours, you know, I mean, I've sat down with Jeff and he's actually showed me, I mean, he's been going, we talked about this before. I've been going for like five five years or something like that. I mean, Jeff's been going for what, like 20 years 25. and you've cultivated, you've cultivated so much knowledge as far as, you know, like, you know, a lot of tour companies, they make may recommend golf clubs that they've never seen, they've never played on, you know, I guarantee about any golf course that you would recommend to a client, you've set foot on the grounds, you've played with them, you've cultivated relationships uh, with people on the ground in those areas. Um, you know, I, I've seen your, your database of all the clubs that you've played, how you rate them for different categories of, you know, playability, you know, um, you know, you know, what the views are, whatever, you know, how, how uh, costly are they, all of these different types of criteria. And, 
I don't know. It seems like when I saw your your database of clubs that you've looked at or played on, it was like, I don't know, a hundred different clubs or something. I mean, it was a crazy yeah. amount. So, you know, you, you know, there's, there's, these are the kind of things that like five years ago, if I would have just said, you know what, I feel like I'm going to go to Scotland. I'm just going to book myself a trip. I never could have developed an experience that I would have, you know, that I actually got by, by going with, uh, with Jeff and him booking it because, you know, there's so many things that you don't even, you don't know what you don't know when you go on a trip until you experience it. Yeah. Well, I, you hit on something, Chris, I think it's important. You don't even drink beer and you like the windswept brewery tour. I did. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I, I thought it was fascinating, but that's really what we try to do. I think, you know, we take pride in finding great golf courses, hidden gems like Cullen or Fortros or Murray for that matter. Mm -hmm. But it's the off course experience that we want to curate as well. Right. So Windswept Brewery, um, a couple of years ago, you and I went to uh, the Open Championship at Royal Portrush. Right. Um, We've done, we did Carnoustie uh, prior to that. I mean, like on this last trip, and we had done it on some previous trips as well around uh, Lossie Mouth. You know, there's a town out there called, what is it, Finhorn or something yeah, like that? Finhorn. Like a little fishing community. I mean, that is so far off the beaten path that your average person, unless you had inside knowledge about it, in this particular pub, restaurant kind of place, it's so far off the beaten path, it would never have been on your radar if you were just Googling things to do, as opposed to, you know, working with somebody that actually has kind of on the ground experience in those, you know, specific areas. I mean, I was thinking about that, Chris. I've never had better fish and chips than there. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And it, like you right. said, nobody knows about it. Or just the locals. I don't think your average out person outside of, you know, northern Scotland would even be able to find Finhorn on a map. Well, I've got some. We've got some clients going over next May, and I've they're gonna. I've got them playing at Murray right in May. Mm -hmm. And I said, on your way home, you have to stop at Fintorn for yeah. fish and chips because they're going to be know, staying in Inverness. You know, one thing, you know, that's that's another thing. You know, that little community I stayed at, you know, when I was flying back because I was flying out of Inverness, you know, great little just town kind of in the middle of nowhere that, you know, it was just kind of a great little stopover. But, you know, one of our previous times um, we were over there, we played in the Murray Open, you know, Phil and I went over to Loch Ness which is, you know, it's one of those things, it, it's, it's more mythical um, than anything, but actually to go set your eyes on Loch Ness where the monster is and all of that kind of stuff is, you know, it's, I mean, I've been around the world and that's, that, that was a very special experience. Yeah. You know, well, that reminds me of something, not, not Loch Ness, but going back to the people thing, it just hit me. Who picked you up from the airport? Yeah. So, yeah, like this time, so the rest of the guys on this trip, they all flew into Edinburgh, but I was just more interested in getting up to uh, um, to Lossy Mouth to start practicing. I, I think I'm probably the most, I don't know, amped up of the golfers of the group that went over there that, you know, is more interested. Most competitive. In, yeah, the most competitive <laughs> of the golfers. So, you know, I was really gunning to improve my performance in the Murray Open. So I wanted to get over there, start practicing. And also I'm a member there. So you know, I got kind of free privileges to play at this point since I, you know, have an annual subscription there. Um, but anyways, in my previous time that I played the Murray Open, 
one of the guys in my my threesome because you go out threesomes um, was Ryan Sherwood, who happened to work on the greenskeeping staff at the club. And so we got to be friends, you know, like follow each other on Facebook and kind of keep in touch and stuff like that. And, you know, with the other guys coming into Edinburgh, I was coming into Inverness, you know, they were going to the open in St. Andrews. I was not, you know, so I wasn't going to have good transportation to get over there. And uh, basically Ryan volunteered to come over and pick me up, which is about an hour drive away from Lassie. And, you know, that's just the kind of hospitality that you get. Yeah. Um, you know, where, you know, in a lot of places, a lot of cultures, you know, you just don't get that kind of friendly experience. Well, Chris, talk about too, we, we talked a little bit of, about this before we went on, and that was about um, how egalitarian, if that's the right word, the golf clubs are over there, right? Where, right. yeah, give us your thoughts on that, because I agree. Yeah, yeah we were, we, we talked about this, you know, and this kind of ties into the butcher story is you know you go over there and first of all the clubs like you go to st andrews you know like like now like i've been to augusta national go to the masters and stuff like that like if i drive over to augusta there's no way in hell that they're going to allow me to drive up magnolia lane to go check out amy corner you know in you know july 5th or something like that you know because if it's not that week of the masters nobody with you know regular credentials in life are going to get on Augusta National. First time we went over to St. Andrews, we literally parked right next to the seventh, you know, the, the road hole. We're talking to the golfers and the caddies on the road hole, on the green. You know, we walked across the Swoken Bridge. You know, we literally, you know, it's a, almost like a park. I mean, it's just part of the community. And that's just the way golf is over there. It's integral into the community. It's more of a every man's type of property where in the United States, if you're kind of in the golf culture, it's more, you know, it, hopefully it becomes more and more of an every man's type of game, but historically it has been more for the, you know, higher incomes, more well-off type of people. We're over there, you know, the butcher's a great golfer. The, the barber's a great golfer. Like you said, the milkman, Milky, he's a great bar. He's a, he's a great, you know, scratch golfer. You know, it's just like, it's it's first of all it's like the the, the club in in Lossie, Mount Murray, it's integral to the community, and you know it's kind of the central focus point of the entire town. It's kind of the the great meeting place for everybody to come together and yeah. you know participate in the community. Yeah, do you remember what we did on the way out of town, that first trip? Yeah, like at uh, St Andrews. Yeah, yeah. So it was like I don't. 6 30 in the morning i mean the sun comes up over there at like four in the morning so you know the sun was up and it was you know 6 30 something like that one of our friend uh, gus had had spread his father's ashes right on the 18th tea box so we had some leftover scotch and i think uh like i said i don't drink but the other you know the three that were in our trip they they drank a nice toast to our friend gus's father and uh we left whatever remnants of the scotch they're on the tee for the rest of the people to partake. Yeah. So we when we walked off, there was an empty bottle of scotch there. Or not empty. There was still a little bit left. Yeah, right. that's probably third full. I can't imagine doing that at Augusta. Yeah, I think we have a we have a nice picture of it where we have kind of a low angle with the bottle with the RNA in the background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a great photo. Um, um, 
Um, so you've played tons of courses, obviously, uh, over there and over here. Um, tell us uh, if you like Parkland courses better or Lynx courses. In the United States, you pretty much only get Parkland type courses. So I get enough of that over here. So when we yeah. go to Scotland, we go to Ireland. Um, I'm entirely obsessed with just playing Lynx golf just yeah. because, you know, the conditions like you know living here in georgia we don't get that much um wind um we don't get that much rain to be honest with you if it rains you're not playing because it's usually a thunderstorm to go along with it so yeah. you know you don't you don't get those those extreme conditions to play in i mean for example we played at uh cruden bay uh the first time i oh. went and in that in that trip we had you know sunshine all the way down to sleep that particular day with like 30 to 40 mile an hour sustained winds it was by far the most extreme conditions i've ever played in but wow. that's the experience that you're going over to get i mean it kind of equates what was it when tiger woods kind of got blown out of the uh the open championship maybe at Muirfield or something like that um i mean that's yeah. the kind of experience that you don't want to get it all week long but you kind of want to get a flavor of it while you're over there and those are the kind of things that you know that i like going over there that and the difference is you know playing knockdown shots playing you know you may be putting 30 40 yards off the green i mean yeah. you can't do that here in the united states because yeah. we're playing on you know bermuda grass here you got bunkers in front of the green you know over there you're playing shots that you would never dream of playing and you can over easily there. have like a 100 150 foot putt on a green yeah the greens absolutely. are so massive yeah, and like at uh, St. Andrews uh, on the old course, you got double greens. I mean, you got all these yeah. types of things that you just – and the bunkers. I mean, the bunkers are a totally different story because you never – you never, you'll never get some of the lies in bunkers that you do over there. You're hitting back leagues. You know, yeah. I, got a, I got a video of me when we were playing Royal Aberdeen where my ball was wedged up in the far left corner of the bunker, and I'm on my hands and knees, you know, you know hitting out of the bunker. I mean, those are the types of experiences you just can't replicate. Yeah. Well, Chris, I feel the same way that you do. I am absolutely obsessed. And I'll tell you the other thing, you know, when, when our guys our, our our weekend golf group, when they go on golf trips to Pinehurst or Myrtle beach or Hilton head or someplace in Florida, I never go every dime I have. Yeah. That's disposable for golf goes to Scotland. I want right. to, I, 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 yeah, I'll tell you the other thing when I play over here, I don't care what course it is. It's just one more round till I get to Scotland, right? right? Or, I, or, or to Lynx Golf. Yeah. I love England. I mean, Chris, you haven't been to England or Wales. The courses are just fantastic there as well. But um, I I love finding new courses, playing them for the first time. It's it's just the best. Now, you know, uh, you, you talked about some of the relationships I've cultivated over there. But I want to remind you, because I think you've got a better rec recollection of this. You met a woman from Peachtree City. Yeah, right. Or Fay right. Yeah, from Fayette County, anyway. No, it's Peachtree City. So, yeah. So, so the people out there that don't know, you know, we're all kind of headquartered around Peachtree City, Georgia, which is, you know, south of Atlanta by I don't know, 30, 40 miles. Um, golf cart town. Yeah, it's a golf cart That's town. What everybody I mean, knows. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I guess kind of like a lot of clubs in 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 the uk and in scotland i guess peachtree city is the closest you can come to that because the city is kind of known for the golf culture and the golf cart community and 
all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we were, you know, at, at night, they have different at, at the Murray Open at, at the club. They have different uh, type of entertainment and, and that kind of stuff and dinners and, and whatnot. And one night we were at the club and, um, you know, there it gets kind of chilly at night. And I was wearing like a pullover, kind of like what I'm wearing here. And I'd left it on the on one of the chairs when we were walking out or, or going someplace. And I said, oh, I got to go back and get my my jacket. And when I walked over there, a lady said, hey, are you guys from Georgia? And, and I said, yeah, a bunch of us are over here. And she goes, there's a lady around here that's also from Georgia. And she goes, I'll go get her. Anyway, so she brought her over there and, and she goes, where are you guys from? And I said, Peachtree City. And she goes, no way. And she was from Peachtree City. It was like, just shows you how how small the world is because, you know, we were, you know, I don't know. She was, she was dating one of the many John Thompson's that, yeah. that, that reside in uh, Lossy Mouth. Cause I think there's like a dozen of them. <laughs> That's too funny. You're absolutely right. There, I've met at least three. So that's hilarious. <laughs> now I want the two of you to tell me about your relationship with the butcher. Hey, let's have- start with you. Yeah, we have, have different, different experiences with the butcher. <laughs> well, mine, we, mine, mine's more PG, where where Hayden's is a little bit more. Uh, well, the butcher, you, you don't. If you're from America, you don't drink with the butcher. You the cannot butcher. drink the butcher. You cannot. <laughs> it's a death. Wait, sentence. how did we? I, you know, I, I, I've met him in years past, and um, heck, I, I remember him when he was a, a, a like a teenager, right? And um, obviously now he's got a family, but how did we connect with him? His uncle. I, I know I ran into him in the bar, but did, well, he, he played with us on with, Sunday. Oh, yeah, he, he played, played with us in the Triam. Yeah, in the Triam. Yeah, he was in my 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 foursome. It's a quad on this year. They they did foursomes, but right. um, and pretty much every day after that in the bar after right. the round, it was a different competition. Yeah, but. Chris, so Hayden had a drinking problem with the butcher, or I shouldn't say a problem, a, a drinking relationship. You'd say Chris. I had a drinking problem. That sounds really bad. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a drinking problem. Let's, but let's elaborate yeah. on that. But Chris, um, you actually went to his shop. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I went to his shop as well. But holy cow! Yeah. So yeah, literally, he's a butcher. He's the town butcher. So I mean, like here. You go to Kroger to get your meat, or if you're, you know, really high end, you go to, you know, Fresh Market or something like that to get your meat. But I mean, I'm aware we have like one butcher in Tyrone around here, but there's not a lot of, you know, like small town butchers, or you know, like like we might have had, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But you know, it's just again, it's like an integral part of the community. Like if you want meat, you go to Brent the butcher to to get your meat. So you know, he was he was in our foursome kind of to be you know our you know kind of i don't know our our chaperone or whatever to show us around the course and stuff um for the quad am um practice round but then after that you know we wanted to cook out one night so he said you know hey you know tell me what it is you want or actually i think he volunteered to actually kind of give us a different medley of different type of meats yeah. to cook out um you know so when we went to go pick up you know the meats you know he gave us a full tour of the of the shop he's also a baker he owns the bakery next door you know so we you know we were kind of getting you know the full um you know full treatment full tour of of you know his his business which was nice and also you know we have other things we had other joint interests you know we're both into cryptocurrency and, and that kind of stuff so you know we had a lot of kind of common interests in life 
How many pounds of meat did we did we go through? I don't know, about two hundred, like, <laughs> two hundred dollars worth of it. So, uh, well, if you if either of you ever seen a tomahawk steak that big in your life, no, only on Instagram. No, luckily our friend Dale knows how to cook steak really well. So, yeah, yeah that's true. Absolutely, it was, it was really good. So, so Chris, I want to hear what what's your favorite course that you've played in Ireland, and what's your favorite course in scotland so far okay so you know ireland um you know first of all there's a lot of commonality between golf courses in ireland and scotland but in a lot of ways there's a lot of differences um in ireland you get more of the grassy kind of knolls and you know that kind of you know, the big humps and bumps with with tall grasses you know kind of as your deterrent to not get off the fairways you know, in Scotland, they have the, if you've never played with gorse bushes, then it's really hard to comprehend what a gorse bush is and what kind of a hazard it is, because it, it, it's really more penal than having water down the sides of the fairways, because at least with water, it's a lost ball and a hazard and you can take a drop. That's with a gorse ball. bushes, if you hit it into it, 99% of the time, you're not going to find your ball and it's effectively a lost ball back to the tee box or back to your pre, you know, it's a two stroke yeah. penalty. So you have to play very conservative around the, the gorse bushes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, there's a big difference between, you know, the, the, the that's one of the big differences between the two places. So um, I would say in Ireland, my favorite course so far has been Valley Bunyan because it's just such a historical um, notorious type of Irish, you know, golf club um plus my friend phil he was looking so forward so much to to yeah. playing it so i think it got a lot of hype in my brain that that was going to be the the premier course that that we were going to play there and you know it, it definitely delivered on that um when it comes to scotland i think i think you're almost obligated to say the old course the saint andrews just not so much because the course is so great it's just that the city of it, it's all the things that go along with it it's the city of saint andrews it's the you know the quirkiness of the the road hole of hitting over the the corner of the hotel the you know the road the the road hole bunker the, the all the legends of that and then there's no finer walking golf than coming up the 18th of of the old course of saint andrews even though that the hole itself is pretty much kind of a cupcake you know type of yeah. hole but you know, if you kind of set that aside and just say, hey, what's the, your favorite courses that you've played over there just from a pure playability and how much you enjoyed the course? Really, a couple of them uh, would be Castle Stewart is just a great golf course kind of up around Inverness. Um, and then the second one is I want to get a second shot at uh, Cruden Bay, which is over by Aberdeen. Uh, like I said, when we played Cruden Bay, it was a very extreme conditions, but it has some just fantastic golf holes on it. And in fact, I, I sent you a link and I would encourage some people. There was a, like a, a little YouTube video. What was it? Of Nick Faldo and, and some guy playing. Right. At Cruden yeah, I Bay. sent you that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you sent it to me, uh, I guess. Yeah, I sent it to you. And then I think you attached it to your you know subscribers and stuff like that. But it just gives you a, you know, a feel of that golf club and it's just got some great golf clubs on it. Yeah. Chris, you know, we, as you mentioned, we played in a very inhospitable uh, condition that day. Um, but that is the one course that reminds me of Ireland and Scotland, huge dunes. The dunes uh -huh. are, you know, you're playing from elevated tees in some instances. Um, you've got more blind shots. It's, 
it's a uh, it's a great track. But um, I'll tell you the other thing, Chris. You talked about the walk up eighteen at St Andrews, and and I agree. There's nothing like it. Um, but I think the eighteenth at Murray, the old course yeah. at Murray, it's a better eighteen, and nothing gives me better joy than playing up that, especially in the uh, in the Murray Open, where it, it's almost like an amphitheater. Because right. the green is elevated, the club is elevated from the green. Um, it, you know, so especially like when they have the championship rounds going of the match play, it's you know, you may have several hundred people just sitting around the club, just watching everybody come up the 18th hole, putting out, you know, and that kind of thing. So, I agree, it's it's, it's very spectacular. There, there's a lot of commonality between the two because you've got the first hole and the 18th hole paralleling each other going in opposite directions. So, you know, there's there's a lot of commonality there. Well, you've played a lot of golf in your life. You talked about your favorite courses in Ireland and Scotland. Overall, what's your favorite golf course that you've played? Well, I, again, I mean, my favorite, I'm never going to have a better experience than the, the day I had playing the old course in St. Andrews. You know, the, the additional element of that story is my friend Kevin and I, we were actually lucky enough to play 36 holes that day on the old course in St. Andrews, which is from a visitor standpoint, a golf tourist standpoint, is probably close to unheard of because of the difficulty getting onto the old course. And it's just because a couple of the guys in our group couldn't attend. So therefore we'd already paid for the rounds and they, and the people at, um, you know, the, at the club there were, were nice enough to allow us to use those additional rounds of golf after we played our first round. So you know, that was like super nice. Um, you know, the rest of it, you know, for the most part, I'm kind of like you. Most of my disposable golf in, uh, golf um, money goes to go into Scotland. So I don't really play that many uh, courses outside of my membership over here. Probably the most high-end club that I've played is Shoal Creek over in Alabama. Yeah. It was a super nice course. I played it um, once. You know, that's probably that's probably the most elitist course that I've ever played on. Yeah, but it, you know, Shoal Creek is a wonderful club. There's no, you know, a wonderful track, but I'm with you. I The courses in Scotland are a lot more memorable and uh, the overall experience is is just unbeatable over there. Yeah, I, w I really wish I had a do-over on some elements of that first trip we took over there. Like right now, I couldn't tell you a single thing about Royal Doorknock because I was so overwhelmed that day with excitement. <laughs> um, you know, it was my first round of golf playing, you know, in Scotland. It yeah. just went by like in a, in a blink of an eye that day. Well, there's always could, next year. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just like I couldn't <laughs> hardly tell you anything about that round of golf. Maybe the first hole. I could tell you about in the practice green. That's about the only things I can really remember. Yeah. Well, and that's a great what, golf course. Oh, it's an amazing golf course. And, and um, you know, I was there probably two years before you went with Mike Adams and Gus and a, and a buddy of mine from Pittsburgh. And um, there was an open tee time there in the afternoon. So Mike and Gus walked another 18, yeah. you know, at dusk. It, well, finished at dusk. Um, and absolutely loved it. And, and that's another course that's kind of off the beaten path that your average 
tourist golfer wouldn't wouldn't go to just because it's so far north. I mean, it's probably getting more um, more play than it might have in the past, but it's so far removed from the rest of the like the typical, you know, all the courses around St. Andrews in that area. Yeah, it's a haul to get up there. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a it's a haul to get to Lossy too, but yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we you know we take a lot of people over, Chris, um, to Scotland, and you know for the most part they're people like you were, and I was, and Hayden was this year, like your first time there. What do you? What recommendations or advice do you have for people going to play Lynx golf for the first time? Well, first off, get really good rain gear. Now we've been lucky lately that we haven't. In fact, our last two trips over there. I don't think we hardly got rained on at all. We did. I don't think we got rained on at all this couple holes. this trip. Um, yeah, maybe a couple holes. But our first trip over there, when we played Cruden Bay, we got rained on. When we were in Ireland playing Valley Bunyan, we got rained on. You definitely don't want to have substandard rain over there. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, you definitely got to pack for all the different types of conditions, and also, you know, practice in advance that, or, or you need to. I guess precondition yourself that you can't play the same style of golf that you do in the United States when you go over there. You got to be open-minded that, you know, like when you watch the British Open, that, you know, I got to be willing to try some of these crazy shots that I typically wouldn't play in the United States. So, um, you know, those are the those are the key things, and you know, get it into your brain quicker than I did that you can't carry the ball all the way to the pin and expect it to stop. Yeah. Well, I think I think Hayden got a lesson watching Jim Young play. He hit seven iron from all over the green, and that thing was like a magic wand. Right. Right. I mean, yep. I mean, he had a blow up hole where he got in the gorse twice at, at uh, Fort Rose and Rose Markey, and took a like a a nine on a par four, and that was the end of his being competitive that day. <laughs> but if you if you take that hole out. Yeah. I mean, what, I don't know how old he is. He's probably 75. He's, he hits it a long way. He's a beautiful champion at, at club champion at Creo, you know, 40 years ago. But the guy's got an unbelievable golf game. Yeah. The other advice is, is don't take on the gorse. Oh. Otherwise, you're going to end up like you've, you know, you've gone, you know, head to head with a, with a pack of cats or something because – like I said, until you've experienced trying to hit out of the gorse, what kind of damage it can do to your skin or to your clothing or whatever, um, it's 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 harsh. So you remember number number two on the old course at Murray is one of the most um, difficult tee shots because you've got about a hundred yards, well maybe like seventy yards, mm -hmm. and the gorse is completely engulfed on each side of the fairway. Oh yeah, it's like tunnel vision. I mean, if 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 you replace the gorse with pine trees you'd have no problem playing those courses. Yeah. But as soon as you make a gorse where it's so penal to hit it into it, so I mean, thick. it just, it, it, it alters your game. It alters your strategy that you play because like I said, if you hit into it, it's a two stroke penalty because you got to go back to your, you know, previous point of play. Well, and then throw in the wind, throw in the fact that you're in a competitive round in the Murray open. Yeah. And that tunnel gets even tighter. It's like looking down the barrel of a shotgun trying to right. get the ball. And then the new course at Murray is even tighter than the old course at Murray because it's shorter and they're using the course as a way to, you know, to, you know, 
Yeah. Limit Make it harder. Which clubs that you're hitting. <laughs> I really needed it like to that. get harder. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, so Chris, is there anything left on your golf bucket list? Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, you know, kind of staying with the theme of, you know, Scottish golf, I definitely eventually want to round out and play all of the the open rota courses. I mean, not at one. I mean, I'm not a person that's gonna want to go over there and drop, you know, five, six grand to go play nothing but the premier courses, but I definitely like to have say one premier course, you know, in the rotation of courses that we're playing, you know, on, on any given year. So, you know, definitely the ones that are in Scotland, I would definitely like Carnoustie. I haven't played Carnoustie. I would love to play that. You know, if we were ever to go back to uh, Ireland, I'd love to play Portrush. Um, Cause you know, I've been on them to watch the open, you know, so I, I can see the quality of the golf course, but I mean, that's probably one of the most challenging things when you go to the open or like when you go to Augusta national, it's like, you feel cheated that you're there to watch, but you don't get to right. play. Right. Um, exactly. You know, in the United Chris, States, Chris, you've only played one then, St. Andrew. Yeah. In the open rota. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, Dale's Dale. I've, I've played all of them, including the ones that no longer host. So there's like 13 or I forget the number 13 or 14. Dale's got one to go. Burkdale. Okay. And that's in England, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in the United States, you know, there's probably the one place I really want to play that I actually, you know, have to, <laughs> that you actually, any, any, anybody has the opportunity to play would be Whistling Straits. Um, you know, I, some of my friends have said, hey, let's go out and play Pebble Beach. To be honest with you, I'm not that excited about Pebble Beach just because I think they, they gouge, they take advantage of, yeah. of the situation and charge you too much money to play that course where you have to stay on the property. And then, you know, it's, it's just, it's just too expensive for what I'm willing to pay. Yeah. I, uh, I played Pebble beach um, right after my mom died. My dad came, I was living in LA. My dad came out to visit and I was married at the time. And we drove up the coast, we played Pebble and it was $115 in like 1989, I guess. Wow. And my dad was like, how can you afford this? And I said, dad will never pay this much money again to right. play around a golf. Cause that was, you know, around a golf, then you could play on a public course for $18 or, I mean, 115 was just unheard of. Right. right. It was like all the money in the world back then. And now, you know, oh, you, you go to, I was just in Denver for my sister's wedding and just, Random course in the mountains, one hundred and seventy-five dollars for no reason, just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, there's some other courses like you know, what's the course that they play the match play on, like Austin Country Club, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, I love to play that one just because it looks like it has some just incredibly scenic golf holes. Um, also, you know, Chambers Bay out in where is that, like Oregon or something like that. Yeah, um, you know, that's another one that would be nice to play. But again, I guess if you gave me $2,000 and said you could, you know, go play where you'd want to, I'd take the two grand and go, you know, go to Scotland and, yeah. and have a good time over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chris, um, Whistling Straits is, you know, Lynx Golf. Yeah, that's the closest. Lynx yeah. Golf. yeah. I played there. I, I, yeah, I feel the same way that you do. So um, I, I had some, prospective clients that uh, told Hayden and I 
recently that they're not going to Scotland, they're going to Bandon Dunes, right? Which, you know, which is fine. But I think they're going to be surprised that they're going to spend as much money going out there and playing um, Bandon Dunes as they would if they went for a similar length trip to Scotland. And they're probably, they're going to Bandon for five days. I wouldn't recommend people going to Scotland for five days. I, you know, seven or eight days um, would be better. But if you did, it'd be similar. Yeah, it'd be a similar price. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, Chris, we, we really do appreciate the great things that you said about uh, the service that we provide. And uh, we we try to impress upon our clients that we really do want to go out of our way to create not just unique golf experiences but unforgettable travel experiences right where you come back and you're like wow and i know you've traveled all over the world you've seen a lot of interesting things like machu picchu is an example Mm -hmm. and um and you know we try to we we really do strive to give our guests those types of experiences that are that are literally unforgettable and um we're glad that we've been able to deliver some of that for, for you and, and our friends. Yeah. I, I just feel really blessed that, uh, you know, first of all, that, you know, somehow we, we linked up through our, uh, through our connection through the kind of the same golf club and stuff like that, because to be honest with you, you know, had I not, you know, originally people should understand the first time I went over there, we just went over as friends. I mean, it's, right. it wasn't, you know, it wasn't part of your company or anything like that. It was just like, Hey, I'm going over to Scotland to play golf. You want to go type of thing. And to be honest with you, had it not been for that, I'd still be waiting to go to Scotland Yeah, because it's just one of those things. There's just so many mental obstacles that it's like, Oh, I got to sit and research all of this. I got, where am I going to get a car over there? You know, Oh, I got to drive on the left-hand side of the road. I mean, there's just all of these on and on and on obstacles to be honest with you. The only obstacle I had to do to overcome, I had to write a check. That was the only, I was literally, and, and, and book an airfare uh, to get over there and everything else was taken care of. And I mean, it's, it's really hard to put about, I'm like, what's the, what's the value of my time of how many hours I would have to invest in researching and booking. And at the end of the day, you do all of that. Are you going to get the same experience? Um, that you would from somebody, like I said, that has, has had boots on the ground, has seen all of these places, cultivated all of these relationships. I know for a fact I would not have ever had the same experiences that, that I've had on the trips. Yeah. Well, That's we awesome. appreciate that. And we're, um, you know, I think, you know, Chris, I have two businesses. I Obviously, I do business coaching and in the golf business. And someone said to me recently, well, I know which one you love more. Right. Thinking that this golf thing is is just that great. And and um, I said, actually, I love them equally. I, I, I really get excited about coaching my clients, but I'm equally as excited about introducing people to different cultures. And again, it's not just the golf, but and, and we joked about sticky toffee pudding or windswept brewery or haggis or, right. you know, or going on a castle tour or whatever, but um, those types of experiences make the trips all the more memorable, right? Absolutely. I could never have sicky toffee pudding again without thinking of- Without thinking- Chris Beer. Right. 
And, you know, and it, it's, you know, it's been a life-changing thing because, you know, now I'm a member of a club in Scotland. I mean, if my grandfather was alive, you know, I would probably blow his mind that, you know, the things he cultivated in me at a young age, you know, have led to, you know, me being part of something like that, you right. know, and it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that has so many tentacles in your life that uh, it just changes, you know, you just never know where it's going to go from here. So, you know, I feel like I've really been blessed by the whole experience. Excellent. Well, and I think before you go, we need, you need to show the crest on your jacket. Yeah. In case wow. Stevie and John and Derek and those guys, the butcher. Yeah, That's there we go. Murray, it's uh, Murray Golf Murray. Club. Peyton and also while we're here, I'll, I'll show my two, my two trophies from winning the tournaments when we were over there. Jeff I've got a couple of those as well, Hayden. How about you? Pull up your trophy. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry. Wait, I actually do. Yeah, you didn't tell the story about how I won the second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get what about this one? You is that your that? Best, best dressed award? What is that your spelling bee trophy from fifth grade it, it, or something? Oh, Chris, this is where I beat you on the uh, on the playoff hole in the two-man tournament. Oh, okay. That was a great – that was a great tournament too. But – um, the other thing about Chris, real quick, is behind him, he's got framed in that uh, lovely frame, uh, looking down the fairway of 18 at Murray Golf Club. So he is a fan. And then, love it. Chris, uh, what you asked? You just asked me a question that just flew right by me. No, I said uh, when I won the second trophy, the one in Ireland, where we had to stop. Oh yeah. Our friend Phil somehow miraculously found an extra stroke on his handicap in the van at the end of the tournament that we had to have an emergency putt off at in the middle of nowhere, Ireland. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny, I'm getting a call from a client right now. Uh, so as soon as we're done, we'll, we'll have to go. Yeah, this was funny. So for those of you that don't know, one of the things that we do for our clients is uh, we put together a, a final day trophy uh, or final day tournament. And Chris, we do this for, for our clients now, right? We set up, we help them set up a tournament and I give them that trophy, right? And um, we tell them how to run the tournament, you know, based, or we give them suggestions. It's up to them to, to do it. But, and the idea of our tournament that we've been doing for, thir God, well, almost 15 years now, or no, I take that back 20 years, is that we play a low net final round. Everyone kicks in $100. And the winner takes um, $400. They get that trophy, and it's low net. And we played at Enniscrone in Ireland, and we had to get to Dublin or to our hotel near Dublin. And so we were in a rush. So we, um, we didn't add up the scores. We weren't sure who won. And uh, so we – Well, I was pretty sure who won because <laughs> Phil just had to avoid the triple bogey on the last hole. And uh... – you know, he got he got stuck in a, I don't know, fairway bunkers, greenside bunkers, about every bunker on the golf hole, you know, on that 18 hole. And he, you know, I don't want to use the word choked it away, but, you know, you do the math. So, <laughs> so I wasn't sure who had won. And so we're driving and Phil, as Chris said, pencil whipped his way into a tie for first. And we're literally, we're literally driving through the Irish countryside. I see a golf course, a parkland course. It was fairly nondescript, although I shouldn't say that since we haven't played it. 
we pulled off and we decided to settle that with a putt off. And there were four hundred dollar, four hundred dollar putt off. <laughs> um, and so there was there were two young guys there. When I say they were kids, really, but when they heard how much uh, we were playing for, how, how much they were playing, Chris and Bill were playing for, they wanted to jump in for the four hundred. <laughs> um, but uh, to Chris's surprise, Phil took him to. It had to be eighteen holes. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was forever. Uh, yeah. And so Chris won in a putt off at Carrick on Shannon, wherever that is in the middle of uh, Ireland. I mean, it must be dead center in the. In the right. Country. That was probably a bit, you know, talk about, I mean, that was just a really fun, that's just one of those fun experiences that, you know, a great story came out of, you know, out of nothing, you know, just. Yeah. And you've got a great, I've got a great picture of you holding the trophy, kissing it in front of the Carrick on Shannon. Same. in the parking lot <laughs> that, that was that. great great fun well chris i hope um that that the uh, three of us have the occasion to make many more trips together to scotland yes. it's always fun to travel with you and uh to play with you and to watch you go deep into the murray open right it's getting to the end of the year that's when we always start talking about our next trip over there you know for the next summer so <laughs> yeah we I'm need sure to start, start talking about that there. yeah we yeah. need to talk about that because I'm always usually usually the first one to start saying, "Okay, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the plan?" You know. <laughs> Actually, you know who did it last year? Um, it was Ed. Ed spurred us because we were kind of in COVID still, and then you know, so I blame him, and we should shame him into going next year because he he'd really enjoy it as well. Yeah, you can't start it and then not go. Right. Anyway, Chris, it's been a a, a real pleasure having you on. You did a wonderful job. And um, everyone will see you next time. Yeah, thank, All you right, so thank you. Chris. Thank you again to everybody who tuned in and uh, stayed till the end. I hope you enjoyed Mr. Chris and his experiences in Lynx golf. Uh, I hope that gets uh, you and your itch to play. And um, hopefully when you, whenever you're ready, let us know so we can start planning your trip. And um, we uh, hope to see you next week. Thank you.